taking a bitch in my lap. That completes the order. However you wanna go, do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever makes you happy. Yo, what's up? This is Black Loud Proud, and this is Straight Yak. No motherfucking chaser comes to you every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, a new episode is going up. Straight Yak is brought to you by the Black Queen Collective. Haven't said that in a minute, but just so you know, um, this weekend we have a Sister Weekend event um, coming up on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. www.blackqueencollective.com Sisters, please make sure you check it out. And brothers, you know a sister that need the connection. Um, www. I said that right. <laughs> BlackQueenCollective.com. Um, you can also hit up our page on Instagram. Um, we should post a little more often. And that's going to be done. Trust and believe. Um, what's up? It's May. This is the third week in May, I believe. May is all about pound mental May. People, Some people say hashtag, listen, that's a fucking pound sign to me. Pound mental May is in full effect. Every episode this month um, of Straight Yak is focusing on black mental health, um, mental health in the black community, mental health as it relates to black people. However, which way you want to slice the fucking cheese, that is what it is. So please, please, please make sure you check out every episode and tell a friend. Last week's episode was really powerful. My brother, Willie Lynch, you got to bounce when you say the junior. I might have said it in the wrong order, but anyway, Willie Lynch Jr., he was on. He opened up um, black, something about black men and vulnerability, man. That's important. Brothers need to hear that. Sisters need to hear that. Everybody need to hear that. Um, it's hard out here for a brother was the last episode, and and that was um, that's a really hard act to follow up on. But um, although most of these have been, no, all of the episodes thus far have been serious, Um this episode is serious too, but I got some shit on my mind, y'all, that I want to talk about before I get into like all of me. No John Legend. Um That motherfucking song, uh, He's Mine by Moke and Steph. Listen. What? Is that 20 years old? I think so. I think that shit came out in like 95, 96. That was like the best time for a song like that to come out. But I was just really thinking about that song the other day and I was like, I wanna talk to I wanna talk to y'all about this shit on Tuesday. So he might be doing you, but he's thinking about me. So baby, think about another lover and go find another brother. Listen, he might be doing you, but he's thinking about me. 10 times out of 10, if your man is at my house and he's doing me, (laughs) I'm not by any means saying that I'm messing with other people's men because that's not necessarily my MO. I don't like that type of um, karma. I ain't going to say I ain't never did it. Um, Nene Leakes taught me, though, keep my legs closed to married men. I'm not here out here dealing with people's husbands. 
Um, and I'm preferably not dealing with people's men's, but people's men's, men's, men's stay in my motherfucking boxes talking. If I took him up on his offer and he came to my house 10 times out of 10, if I'm doing him trust and believe he is not thinking about you. I don't know if it was... What, what's their motherfucking names? Um, y'all know I just recently found found out that Moken Steph actually was like the first syllables of everybody's name. Uh, Monifa, Kenya, and Stephanie, right? So, and I mean, they got some real interesting names too. Like uh, Monifa Bethune. I, I hit up my sister Ashley the other day. I was like, because she's a Bethune expert. Y'all better get into um, Mary McLeod Bethune, uh, Social Justice in the Sun, um, Bringing Social Justice to the sunside, Sunshine State by Dr. Ashley Robertson, a.k.a. The Legacy Keeper 1875 on Instagram. Um, get into that text. It's a great, general, brilliant read about all the different things um, that Mary McLeod Bethune experienced, went through, etc., etc., in the state of Florida. I can go into that, but that's not the point. So I was like, Monifa Bethune, is she related to Mary McLeod Bethune? Check that out. She might need to be at Miss McLeod, Miss um, uh, Mary McLeod Bethune party uh, this summer. Yes, God, honey, he might be doing. She could sing. She could still sing. I think that was Monifa singing. I don't know. Anyway, Kenya. Hadley, I was like, is that Heather Hadley's sister or nah? And then Stephanie Sinclair, is she related to um, what's that? What's that man name? Last name Sinclair. Anyway, it don't even matter. The song is just so. Girl, don't be out here convincing yourself that he's still yours when he not like. I know he's my man. He's all in my hands. It feels good when you call my name. When he calls my name, don't you wish you had the same? Again, if he was at my house, he is not calling your name. It's like literally the way this song is written. Whoever wrote this shit spent four minutes of their time trying to convince themselves that they man that's out here with somebody else is still quote unquote theirs and I'm getting we're gonna get into a whole nother podcast episode sometime in June or July I lie I don't know when but one day soon we're gonna get in a whole podcast episode about how he's not yours or hers or theirs because we don't possess people people are not possessions he's Anyway, girl, like this song, like she really spent four. They all really spent four minutes minutes trying to convince themselves that this man is theirs when it's not. Like then, then the thing that stuck out stuck out to me like the most was like, um, what's that line towards the end? Um, we're not on a date. I wonder the last time I've been out on a date. Ooh, child, y'all help me. Anyway, went out on a date, wasn't out too late. Took you to a room and you gave it up too soon. Played you like a trick, cause you let him hit. Now he's coming home to a lover that is strong. How strong are you? 
Because if you was really strong, girl, you should have had an intuition that Jim James, Paul, and Tyrone was not hanging out. His ass was with her. And it's like, he took her out on a date. You sitting at home, you not on a date, but you calling her a trick, though. Took you out on a date because you gave it up too soon. Um, Maybe that's not the first time she gave it up. More of the story is it ain't tricking if you got it, and apparently he got it, and he take her out on dates. They could have went roller skating. They could have went to the show, the movies, dinner and the movies. Why not be my den? Why not a movie? Do you get it? Get it? Do you got it? Got it? Anyway, more of this goddamn story, girl. You out here trying to bring this lady down when the fact of the matter is she out. Are you the side chick? Mo Ken Steph, Monifa, Kenya, and Stephanie. Are you the side chick? I hate that term, but are are you the additional person on the side? Are you the main person in the relationship or not? Because I mean, at the end of the day, you sent home talking about he finna come home, but he out here dating and paying for hotels and all this type of stuff. Like maybe they was down to the Palomar and Dupont. That is a really nice hotel. And let me tell you, the suite with the jet spots up. <laughs> Honey, y'all, find me a man. If you know a brother that is eligible and can handle a real queen like me, 202-888-4YAK. That's 202-888-4925. Tell him to call me. You need to call. Don't call Tyrone. Call Princess. I'm telling you. Tell him. If it's you, boy, call me. Also, you can use that number at any point in time over the day or night to call, send me a text, leave me a voicemail, um, and let me know how you like this episode or any episode, because sometimes you got to catch up. Feel free to text me, 202-888-4YAC, 4925, that's what that is. But, um, yeah, that song is just so interesting. Like, matter of fact, now that I got down to the bottom of it, I'm like, girl, like, I don't, yeah, I think you I think you the side the side dish. You the additional add-on. He's dating her. He probably courting her and everything. Open the hell open the door. She probably going to the to the family reunion this summer. And you out here talking about played you like a trick. No, you're getting played like a trick. Mo uh Monifa and no not Monifa. What I said her girl name was. Sister Bethune and um Stephanie and Kenya. Anyway, back to Mental May. Mental May, um, like I said, the first episode was kind of general. We talked about how it's taboo and really just opened up the scene. And then that second episode was phenomenal. Big shout out and thanks to my bro, Willie Lynch, for really coming through clutch in that conversation. In this episode... I was feeling mighty down. I was feeling mighty bad. Until that day I see you, Miss Seely. Listen. I was feeling mighty down. Like today, y'all, I was down bad. I'm something like bad. When I tell y'all I was down bad today, so much so that I thought I wouldn't even be putting up this week's episode because... Like this, this whole like dark spirit just enclosed and capsuled me and surrounded me, and it's really like a, a plethora of problems. You know what I'm saying? And I'm much stronger than I used to be. 
um, so much stronger than I used to be. Like when I was younger, like middle school, high school, um, not so much college, but um, definitely grad school. Like I was like suicidal, yo. Like people be like, oh, those type of people, they weak, they this, that. Third. You you don't know unless you've been there. Like in everybody's situation who is suicidal is different. I wouldn't say my experiences are the same because last week my brother Willie Lynch started talking about, you know, like the way depression made him feel. That didn't necessarily like describe per se, like how I felt or, you know, like whatever. So everybody's situation is different Um, and everybody's situation is valid. And just because someone is depressed or someone is suicidal or they're, you know, um, experiencing like whatever downward turn, that does not mean that they are weak. It doesn't. You're weak for thinking that. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all like your mama weak. You know what I mean? Um, but I was suicidal when I was in high school, in, in middle school. And it wasn't because like I wasn't popular or um you know I wasn't bullied in school or anything like that if anything I was the bully actually um and not um not on purpose it's just like going back and and grappling with like definitions and thinking back on you know like the things that I did or you know like the jokes that I made like they were funny, and as an adult, people can probably take them differently as the, than they may have when we were children. But it was just innocent fun to me. But I, I realized in retrospect that I may have negative, negatively um, affected someone else, um, and not on purpose, not on not on purpose. But I was suicidal, and it, and a lot of it was because like. I was emotionally abused at home. You know what I mean? And I know it's somebody on motherfucking Facebook. Hey, that's going to listen to this and go run and tell my mama. Go tell my mama what I said. I don't care. Like, (laughs) she probably wouldn't be happy. But it's my reality. And everybody see things, like, differently. But my mother was extremely emotional and abusive. Like my memory, my vivid memory only goes back so far. Um, But like from like late elementary to like middle school is kind of like, you know, like when my mom, you know, had um, she was she she was entering recovery um, from her drug addiction. My mom was. My mom was a crackhead. I was in love with a crackhead. Y'all remember that? Um, y'all remember old boy? Um, B Cole with the fat ass head on um Common View. But yeah, anyway, my mom was on drugs. And um after that, you know, she got clean and everything. And these are things that I love and I appreciate about my mama because a lot of people who struggle with addictions, especially who have had like certain type of lives, they never bounce back. But my mama bounced back because she was my mama because she had some mama, some mothering to do. Like she loved me so much that she was like, let me get my crackhead shit together and get on my motherfucking feet so I can take care of my child because I was always my mother's priority. These are things that I know and understand as an adult, but didn't know during those times. 
Like my mama loved me so much that she was like, I have to beat this addiction. But because, but that didn't take away from the fact that my mother was emotionally abusive and it made me feel like nothing. And it made me feel like, yo, like the only person, if nobody else in this world loves you, the only other person that will love you is your mama. And when I was being abused, like, I just felt like, damn, my mama don't love me. Like nobody, like (laughs) that's fucked up. Like it don't even matter if anyone else does. Like my mama don't. And so I just felt like, you know, I wasn't meant to live in a world where my mama didn't love me. Like if your mama don't love you, dog, like, Nobody else will. Nobody else does like your mama loves, like a mother's love. That sounds like a, a play, right? Anyway, I got these little, I don't know if y'all can hear me rolling up or lighting this lighter. It is not marijuana. It is these organic herbs um, that I got out of um one of my little monthly subscription boxes a while back. And I'm just trying to relax myself. Cause like I said, I was really down bad today. Bad today. But yeah, when I was younger, suicidal. So, you know, like I had subconscious coping methods. You know what I mean? Like music. Radio. I listen to the radio all the time. And I'm from, some people might identify me as like, oh, Princess is um, from Chicago. And Chicago is home for me. Um, When I say I'm going home, that's where I'm going. That's where I get that feeling. That's where I pay all my taxes and my dues in this here life is in Chicago. And that's home and it forever will be. But I was born in Statesboro, Georgia, and it's a small college town, home of Georgia Southern College. Hey, what y'all know about that? Got my holes in my cell phone in Georgia Southern College. Anyway, Georgia Southern is like one of the largest. Um, I dropped the ash. I'm trying to make sure I ain't catching nothing on fire. Sorry. Um, uh, Catch a Fire is a movie, not my life. But I got insurance, though. You better have you some renter at home on the insurance over there on that other end. And some goddamn life insurance. We're out here riding clean with car insurance and no damn life insurance. That ain't right. Insure your shit. And that ain't right, child. Anyway. So. What was I saying? I digress. Georgia Southern College. Georgia Southern University. I used to listen to the radio all the time. 91.9 WVGS 91.9 actually. Um I started rapping when I was like 9. So what is it? 20 years ago I started rapping. Um I st- and I I would rap all the time. I started um going online rapmusic.com, killing the forums. I had the online crew. We I used to rap all day every day, be like I wanted to like, I wanted to get a record. Like, I wanted to be big. 
Wanna be a baller, shot caller, 20 inch blades on the Impala, caller, get late at night. Swish a roll tight, got spread with ice. I hit the highway, making money the flyway, but it's got to be a better way. Better way, better way, yeah. I'm a baller, I'm a 20 inch crawler. Oh, anyway, <laughs> you just you had to say the whole hook, my fault. I wanted to be a rapper. Um, I started rapping. Um, I did. I bust one of my first raps at WVGS 91.9. Um, and I owe that station actually a lot. But I used to, my coping mechanisms was joking, laughing through it, music, picking, joning, roasting motherfuckers at school. Um, all the little boyfriends I had during that time, you know, to take my mind off of shit. And just like rapmusic.com, like really rapping. Like I wanted to rap so bad, y'all. Like I ain't have no tracks, no production access to none of that shit. So much so that I like did a whole like demo with no beats and was like shopping that shit around to whoever I could. People at school that I thought could like make beats and shit. Like, yo, check this shit out. I got the hook and everything on that shit. Let me get that. Where the beats? What's up? I even started talking to this dude. I can't even think of his name. He had this um this little record label or whatever in Statesboro. And um I'm I end up I, I end up calling Bold one day like yo woo woo he came by my mama house all that shit anyway is this just my autobiography I don't know realize um I was never gonna make it in the industry without being like Lil Kim and Trina even though I know every word of Trina and I praised her but I was on that like conscious rap shit. I wanted to be like Jean Grey and them. I ain't want to be on that other shit. And I was like, I ain't gonna make the money and live the life I want to live doing this. So, I gave it up. And at that time, it was about the money because I hadn't come into my full consciousness. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, those were coping mechanisms. Like, how I survived day to day. Like, under such duress, you know what I'm saying? In my house, like the verbal abuse that I was receiving, you know what I mean? And just like not having a space to like communicate or, you know, like express my thoughts and ideas and feelings and stuff like that. Like I would, my house wasn't open to that shit. There was no room, no floor for that. It was whatever my mama said, it was. If my mom was going to abuse me, like, that's what it was. Like, I, I couldn't come back and say that. You know what I'm saying? Like, even now, I can't just call my mom up and be like, yo, you're emotionally abusive. <laughs> that's not a real thing to her. Um, But, yeah, I was suicidal. Like, I just felt like I didn't want to live. And I remember one time, y'all, I had this little... um orange backpack my mama had uh got me from the garage sale this gap backpack it was orange i put all my lyric books in that shit because that's the only thing that meant anything to me all my little rapping books my poetry and shit ain't have a toothpaste no deodorant or nothing my rap shit was in my goddamn backpack 
Call myself running away one night. And the first stop on my Underground Railroad was at my brother's house. <laughs> like, my brother lived across town, but really, Statesboro's so motherfucking small that across town is really, like, down the street. <laughs> so I'm over there. It's dark. I'm almost to my brother's house, y'all. Like, when I tell you almost, I'm talking about, like, almost doesn't count. <laughs> my mama come rolling up on the block. She hop out the... I don't know. She did not hop out the car. She and that bitch the bullying me, demanding the fuck out of me for me to get back in the car. But you know how you... <laughs> I'm out there walking. You know how you put both of your hands underneath the little backpack straps? I'm strutting down the street like, I got my rap shit. I ain't come back to the shit. I don't know where I thought I was going. My mama bullied my black ass right back into that motherfucking car and that shit ended. And when I got back home, like... She got crazy. And I just told her, I was like, yo, I just, I feel like killing myself, yo. Like, I just, I just don't want to be here. My mom going to call the police because, you know, that's standard procedure. And I talked about this in the first episode a lot. We have to learn how to de-escalate and how to train each other and get help on how to deal with these situations because we can't call the police because, too many of our brothers and sisters with like bipolar disorder and you know depression and all of these things like we've called the police for help when they've had these episodes and they end up being killed in the jail before they can even get out of the yard or whatever the case may be it's like fucked up we gotta learn how to deal with these shit ourselves anyway the police come because that's procedure and then they like take you or they have like you know somebody in your family like come take you to the hospital so you can be evaluated and then you know outpatient treatment whatever blah 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 blah. so my mom in there telling them like oh she just mad because i took something something and now she's saying she want to kill herself and i'm just sitting there like that is not why it's you anyway (laughs) it's so crazy how vivid a memory come back like I almost feel like I'm sitting in that kitchen right now with the police in there like and my mama giving this like her side of the story and me just yelling in my head like yo that's not it it's the way that you treat me and so I you know I suffered with that all throughout high school and I think one of the last straws for me in high school was one time this shit happened I think I had took some pills and them motherfuckers didn't work. And, you know, I had, I, I told my mom, I was breaking down, I was crying, you know, she don't give a fuck. Cause I'm crazy. I'm weak. And I brought this on my, on myself or I'm upset because I'm spoiled and can't get something that I want, whatever it was. She thought she called the police. I had this, um, I had this jacket that was like a light khaki color on one side, but then like gel, jailhouse orange on the other side. And it was cute when I was just wearing it, you know, for whatever reason. But when she called the police on me this time, they basically treated me like a criminal. They patted me down. They searched everything. They searched my cavities, all this shit. They handcuffed me in that orange coat. 
on my front porch. And I told y'all I live in a small town. So everybody riding down the damn street can see me. I'm on the porch in this bright orange-ass coat of mine, handcuffed, being searched, padded, violated all the way down, and then I'm put it in the back of the police car as if they were taking me to jail. But instead, they took me to the hospital. And I think that's like the last time, like in high school, that I was weak. And then, of course, you know, like when I was at like my, my senior in high school, I didn't go to my regular, um, I didn't go to my regular school. There was a program through this organization called Communities in School, um, where they have like, um, like you do, like you take your classes online or like these computer modules in a non-traditional school setting. And most people that was, um, at the performance learning center, so they called it people that didn't graduate on time or maybe had a baby or was like chronically behind. Like they went there. I was the only person that had a plan in that motherfucker. Cause I just, I was like, Oh, they go to school late. They get out early. That shit right down the street from my house. And you do everything on the computer. I'm with it. So I went and, um, I was working. I was going to school right down the street from my house. It only took me like two minutes driving, maybe. And that's just because I had to go all the way around to the parking lot. Like, I probably could have walked there in two minutes. No, a little longer than that. <clears throat> but anyway, I was working. I was going to the Performance Learning Center. Um, my bay at the time was like in college. So I ended up moving out and moving in with bay. Um, my senior in high school, <clears throat> so I wasn't living in my mama house no more. So that was cool. Like I, I had Bay. I was you couldn't tell me I wasn't grown. I was paying bills, booed up, shacking up, all of the above. Um, and I was loving. I was out of the abuse. You know what I'm saying? So that was smooth. And then when I went to Howard, yes, in case you missed it. I am a proud graduate of the illustrious Howard University. I graduated from the John H. Johnson School of Communications. Um, it's not called that anymore, but I don't give a fuck. It's going to forever be the John H. Johnson School of Communications for me. God damn it. Um, graduated from that hole. And like being there, like I was just always busy. I was always surrounded by um, friends and like shit to do and all this stuff. So... I didn't necessarily like deal with real life things. Like college is literally a different world. I don't like, you'll never understand it unless you go through it. And then once you graduate, the real world hits because all of those fucking promises that were once made, you go to college, you, you do well, you don't go to jail, you go to college, you get a degree, you go to an excellent university, you get a great job, and you live long and prosper. Find a husband and some kids, you know, or just be on your independent shit, one or the other. Anyway, I did everything the right way. Went to college. Man, I was out here unemployed like a motherfucker, struggling, trying to find a job. I actually, um, <laughs> instead of being in Chicago all the time, I actually moved to Chicago. And um, 
I, I got my master's while I was there. Um, it was the most tumultuous and like growing like period of my life thus far. Um, thank you, Chicago, for that shit. Like I moved there largely because like my bay at the time, you know, lived there. Hey, high part. <laughs> and, um, but it wasn't just about that. I was like, I'm finna go get this education, woo the bam, and I'm finna live and love and, and glow and get married and all of that shit. And um, so I moved to Chicago. Everything was cool at first, and then everything in like real life started coming at me. Like that job I thought I was gonna get never happened. That money I thought I was gonna have wasn't coming in. Um, or no, it was coming in and then it wasn't coming in. And then like just just a lot of shit happened like love was fucking me up yo like the relationship that I was in like that shit did a number on me man and I learned a lot and I know you listen to this podcast just shut the fuck up I was hurt we hurt each other it was not necessarily the most brilliant thing that we did but we did it and we've learned a lot and we've grown from it um I'm the shit you lost one <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I was going through li- like real life problems, school problems, money problems, friends problems. Like, man, Joe, like so much shit. Like, I learned so much about friends and family when I was in Chicago. G, like, <laughs> just everything was coming at me and I was fucked up and I was like really depressed and I didn't have any coping mechanisms like I wasn't really I wasn't really rapping no more I wasn't really going anywhere to be laughing and joning and you know just you know taking time out for myself like I tried to date a bit um but that was tough because I was still dealing with you know like this core relationship and you know just everything was coming at me school love life bills finance friends phonies fakes <sighs> the rights and privileges bestowed on me with that degree wasn't working and you know all types of shit like gee when I tell you somebody that I had known for like seven Nah, it wasn't that long. Like six years, right? That I was holding down, doing all types of shit for. Set me up to be robbed. I'm not finna tell y'all this whole story. I'm just not. Because I can't. But set me up to be robbed, G. And like, (laughs) I'm out in the hundreds one night with this bitch-ass, bitch-ass nigga. And um, they got me. Set me up, took my money, like, <laughs> relationship was, like, good and bad at the time. Man, it was it was crazy. Um, and I just started hitting this wall. And it's a wall that a lot of people, especially, like, a lot of young black women don't talk about. They say, oh, black women are the most educated, you know, woo the woo But nobody starts talking about that period when you're like 24, 25, when all the things that you thought were once were just aren't. When everything is literally going wrong at once for the first time in your life. Like before, you know, 
you was living at your mama house and shit might have been bad, but you wasn't worried about rent. But now rent is a real thing. Financial issues, like, it was just shit stacked on top of stacked. And it really put me up against the wall. And, like, I think, like, twice I probably went MIA. And I was just out of it, just out of my mind, like, done with it, suicidal. I tried to, like, overdose and all types of shit. You know what I mean? Like, to just, like, escape from it all. And um, I can't remember, like, the first time I think it happened. Um, but the, the second and the last time, well, no. The last time it happened to me at the crib, um, everything was wrong. I mean, everything. I can't think of a damn thing that was right then. Everything was fucked up. School, love, life, relationships, friendships, car shit, home shit, how I'm going to pay these bills shit. Like, just broken, just broken, broke down type shit. Um, I left one day. Um, and I was just like, yo, I'm, I'm just going to go and I'm going to end it. And I was just riding around for days, like in my car. See, I told y'all I had a car. I ain't always been carless, G. This is a new thing and phenomenon for me, but I'm going to be back up on my feet. How about now? Cause I'm up right now. This is my season right now. And you suck right now. Yeah. Anyway, um, I disappeared and I was just riding around. Gee, I can't even tell you, like Illinois, Indiana, all like all over, just zoned out. Um, Bay, my whole mama, friends, everybody, a whole search party, and um, the car <laughs> technology, GPS. It don't matter if that bitch is on or off; they still know where the fuck you at anyway. So I'm in the car, like spaced out. Probably hadn't really ate, drinking days, like high off like probably the shit that I tried to overdose on who knows police came and found my black ass I don't even know where I was at and I don't know where I was at because they just needed to confirm that I was okay and tell people that had put out the missing report for me that I was okay they don't have to disclose where I am so I don't even remember and they didn't even tell anybody so I don't know so the police identify me or whatever. They like, yo, your people was looking for you. We're not going to tell them where you at, but because you asked, but we're going to tell them that you, you know, whatever. Okay, cool. Fucked up for days. When I finally get it together, not even. When I just, I don't know, like, I don't know what it was. One day I just end up calling from a payphone. I ain't had no money or nothing. I ain't have shit no more. Um, I don't even think I had gas. I had to call. <laughs> I had to call. I had to call my bae and be like, yo, I'm, I am at this gas station somewhere random in Indiana. And I don't have anything but whatever I use to call you. You got to come get me. <laughs> and so, like, you know, it was just this whole dramatic thing. And it was like, you can't do this shit no more. Ooh, the bam. All right. So when I got back home, 
I was like, yo, I don't ever want to be that low anymore. Like I need help. So I reached out, right? Um, Mental health services in Chicago are fucking obsolete, especially if you ain't got no fucking money. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. People always want to talk about, oh, all the killings and the this, that, and the third. Chicago is so fucked up, G. Look at all the variables that stacked against people, man. Like, if you're going through some shit, you can't really get no motherfucking help if you ain't got the money. And money is always the fucking problem, right? So, anyway, couldn't find no services. I'm asking everybody. One of my, one of my G's, like, from Chicago... Went to Howard for psychology. Um, at the she was working on her masters at the Chicago School of Psychology. I called her like, "Yo, I need help." She like, "Okay, let me um, I'll get back to you." I'm in my mind screaming like, "No, I need help now!" So one of my old best friends that no longer talks to me anymore. I don't know why. Um, if you ever randomly listen to my podcast, maybe you can hit me up and tell me why. Or nah. But anyway, um, I hit her up and she was like, yo, you know, I used to work for the um, suicide hotline and they have all these resources. Woo woo, you can call them. I'm thinking, perfect. That makes sense. Young, I called the fucking suicide hotline like, yo, I was in a really low place. I don't ever want to go back there. I just need help finding some places because I don't have no insurance, whatever, blah, 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 blah. White lady trapped me up on the phone and the way suicide hotline works, and I see people on the internet all the time like, oh, call 1-800-SUICIDE. No, don't ever call them motherfuckers. The way that it works is they get enough information from you so that they can come find your ass, right? <laughs> so she's decided that I'm manic depressant and I need help right now. This bitch on the phone. And she a bitch because there's some bitch ass shit that happened to me. So I used to live on, I used to live on the South Side Low End, right? And um, at the end of my fucking block is Mercy Hospital. I'm ending my block. 100 yards away from my motherfucking apartment. Less than that. Is the hospital. She's like, we're sending somebody now, man. I'm like, yo, you is not finna come into my high-rise apartment building and drag me out of this bitch embarrassed in a motherfucker over some shit that ain't shit when I'm just really need help and not you. I'm on the phone with the lady. Man, gee, I hung up on her ass and started walking down the street like I'm just gonna go there myself. And on top of that, I ain't got no fucking insurance. You finna charge me for a motherfucking um, ambulance ride when I live right down the street? Fuck I look like. Let me check my credit report right now in case they got me fucked up. Creditkarma.com. Anyway, so... (laughs) Gee, I get to the hospital. I put this bitch on the phone with whoever in there. Like, I'm here. I'm telling you. I don't know what the fuck she told her, but I ended up on psycho and didn't even know it and first i'm like whatever this is i'm finna ride through it so i can get the help and resources and services that i need i'm in here i'm by myself bay on the north side in class it's like first day of school or some shit i think um so i'm in there I'm in the ER because I don't have no fucking insurance and they haven't figured out where they're going to send me to or whatever. 
Night comes, it's getting late. It's getting late. Why you gotta be here? Listen. So I'm like, it like I went in that hole like one, two o'clock. It's like 10, and I'm like, I am done with this shit. I buzzed the nurse. And at this point, like I was so fucked up that I don't think I had, I was dehydrated as shit. And so that was one of the, another reason why they couldn't transport me anywhere. Cause I was dehydrated and I wouldn't, like, I wasn't in the mood to drink or eat anything. Like I was just, I was just down bad, especially like being there in the hospital by myself. So they giving me like IVs or whatever, blah, 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 about 10, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Mind you, I'm calling Bay. Bay not answering. I'm pissed because Nigga, you should be right up the street. Anyway, I called the nurse like, yo, I'm ready to go. He came in. He was like, yo, you can't leave. This is where shit started getting real. You know that motherfucking meme that's going around with um the little uh, uh motherfucker from SpongeBob where like the room is like swirling around? Room is swirling when this motherfucker tell me I can't leave. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, you can't leave. You on psycho. Worst 36 hours of my fucking life. So finally, Bay comes to the hospital because Bay been out with some bitch at whatever. Do you, Bay? Bay out doing whatever. Finally comes into the motherfucking hospital like one, two o'clock that night. How's that thing, G? And sleepy. Don't come up in this bitch and sleep when I can't sleep and I can't leave this motherfucker. So I was like, yo, nigga, just go home. So I'm back in there by myself once again. All night. I can't sleep. That morning, like seven o'clock, they come in that hole and they like, they telling me I can't walk on my own. So they put me in a fucking wheelchair and wheel me upstairs to the psych ward in the fucking hospital. So soon as I roll in that hole, right? Soon as I roll in that hole, they like, oh, would you like to take a shower and, you know, wash up and blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, yeah, okay. Man, Joe, the shit that they gave me, the toothbrush and the little deodorant, that shit that I know they give state inmates, I just know they do. The bristles in the little bro. This is what they give state inmates, prison people. They're giving me this shit to take a shower. So then they show me to my room. The lady that I'm rooming with is crazy as that thing. She's fucked up. She's gone. I go in the little bathroom and it's like literally a toilet on the outside. Like, it's like a little closet. You walk in that bitch, it's like a toilet on the left and a shower on the right. Right there in the same little space. I turn the water on. That shit is ice cold. I'm like, I'm going to turn it all the way this way and let that motherfucker get hot. That didn't work. Oh, must be this way. Turn it all the way that way. Let that shit get hot. Nothing. You can't take a warm shower. So this shit is breaking me down psychologically, like slowly. Piece by piece. The shit you gave me. Now, the closet with the toilet right there and the fucking shower right here and no fucking hot water. 
the crazy ass roommate. And no disrespect to that lady and she got whatever issues, but for me in that moment, like, oh my gosh, she's psycho. So gee, after I take that cold ass little wash down, cause of course I couldn't get in there and that shit was ice cold, frigid. I'm talking about like Lake Michigan, uh, early spring frigid, my nigga. Like the fuck? So I lay in the bed and I ball up and I just want to fucking die. And something came to me out of all the years of television that I watched as a child. I had saw like on a Jamie Foxx show and some other shit um, where people would walk into a psych ward accidentally in the hospital and end up like stuck. But the only way they can get out was like if they played the game. So I realized I need to play the game. So I get up, I go in the main little room. I'm in there, I'm watching TV, people in there, they they tweaking, they all tweaking. Then suddenly all the TVs and everything go off and everybody comes around in a circle and they're having like this, the first meeting of the day. And it's about like everybody meeting around their psychotropic medications. I never understood what the fuck that meant. I never heard of it to then and I still don't know what the fuck that meant. But psychotropic medications put in that particular context to me to this date means crazy motherfucking heavy head like heavy high dose shit that these motherfuckers is on right so they meeting around psychotropic medications like is everything okay do you feel you need an adjustment or whatever and i'm just sitting there like oh my god so then everything goes back to normal for a while I'm like calling Bay on the phone out there like, yo, I need you to log into my account and change this class because class started. I'm finna start my second year on my master's program. You know, they turned the phone off and then we had to go back in that room again for the next program. I don't know what the fuck that circle or whatever it was, but what I do know is I can see my apartment from this window of this fucking psych ward. I'm in here. I'm stuck. I should be starting the second year of my master, my master's program, but instead I'm in this room with these crazy ass fucking people coloring pictures, G and doing simple itty bitty, stupid ass rudimentary crossword puzzles. So not only did you give me jailhouse soap and all of this other shit, not only did you not allow me to wash with warm or lukewarm water, not only did you ruin me with one of the craziest people in this motherfucker, not only did you just make me sit through this drug meeting where I'm not even on no drugs, no cyphotrophic medications yet, but you got me in her coloring and doing rudimentary crossword puzzles. My mind is, my mind is fucked up at this point. I'm stuck. Nobody's telling me where I'm going to go. Woo woo. Fast forward. Later that afternoon, they transport me way out west. I'm on the west side of the shy to this place. I don't even remember the name of it because I was forced into the ambulance and transported there and then dropped off at like the intake place or whatever. So I don't even know the name of the place for real. Somewhere out west. Somebody feel me and know what the fuck the spot they probably took me to. I get there. It's like intake at a jailhouse. They search all my fucking cavities. They made me take everything off. I had to surrender everything. Like, I'm in there stripped down. They searching my ass. All types of shit, G. 
at the psych place, the psych ward. It's real life shit on the west side. And I'm like, whoa. And then, like, I got questions and nobody have answers. Nobody's telling me when I'm going to leave. The only person that started answering questions was like, okay, well, now you're here. And this is the intake process. Do you see a social worker? Do you see the doctor? And do you admit it? I'm like, I don't need to be admitted. I'm just, she like, there's a small percentage that you'll actually walk out of here. People are generally here on average between five to 10 days. Huh? What? So y'all, I'm playing the game. I get through that process. They finish searching my ass and all types of other crazy outlandish shit. I go to see the social worker. I'm a wreck. A fucking wreck. Oh God, a wreck. Worse than I was when I was like outside of my mind and don't even really remember where the fuck I was. I'm fucked up. So when I get to the doctor, Asian man, he looked at me and he saw that I was just somebody who was struggling financially, struggling in school, struggling in life in general, in love and in relationships, had been done wrong, fucked up, all of this shit. He was just like, yo, he saw me when nobody else would. It was a stack of papers thicker than that, like, I'm talking about, like, books these people had wrote on me about being a manic depressant and how I was this and how I was that. He showed me the shit. He was like, you see this? This is what they wrote on you since since they took you in. He was like, but I see, you know, whatever. He called. He was like, you got somebody you can call? Gave this motherfucker Bay number. Bay's whack ass actually answered the phone and my doctor was just like yo can I can I trust you to you know take take her into your custody and your care blah 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 woo the woo bae like yeah you know whatever so eventually after bae does whatever the fuck bae had to do never forgive and never forgive some of that shit G but anyway um I got out but I'm telling y'all, like, for real, for real, that was the worst 36 hours of my fucking life. And it's like, I realized so many things. All the, all of those years, I thought I was weak. And people had told me I was weak. And, you know, like, my mama said this and that, you know, all this abuse, woo the woo I realized that I was strong because I made it through all of that shit, G. I realized when I was in there, when they first took me to that site ward in Mercy at the hospital, that most of those, a lot of those people were probably just people like me, but didn't know how to work the system in order to get out or that one doctor didn't just see them as the same, like in the way that the doctor I saw, saw me and set me free. Because once they start putting you on all those medications like depression medication, the side effects of that shit is off the chain. Suicide, all types of shit, like that medication that they will pump you with will drive you crazy. Being around those types of people in those situations where you can't get out will drive you crazy. 
The homeless people we see, the people that are mentally disturbed, that are, you know, going through all of these things, schizophrenic, whatever. I honestly believe that there are life triggering events that set them on these paths. And that could have been my life triggering event, but it just wasn't. And ever since that happened to me, I just been like determined to find a way to cope, to find a way to deal, to find a way to like move around, you know, like whatever obstacles are coming in my way. And it's like after all that shit happened, you know, like I went to counseling and even when I um first moved back to D.C., like I had like the best counselor ever, but she's not here anymore. But I well I well I don't see her anymore. Um somehow I couldn't anymore. But um I just take all of the things, the tools that she gave me and apply them every day. You know, like my mother is still emotionally abusive. But but my but my my last counselor told me like, yo, you grown. You don't have to take that. She doesn't pay your bills, she doesn't pay your phone. You don't have to hold the phone and accept that type of abuse. Um, and like last episode, um, like Willie Lynch was saying, um, really what we got into was a conversation about how you have to put your family, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your whomever, your grandma, your granddaddy, great, great, whoever, you have to put them in their full context in the full context of world history, local, all of, like their own individual histories to understand like where, where they came from. My mother, her father was emotionally abusive. She was raised by her father because I guess he chased my grandmother off. So the old tale goes. And, you know, she had kids that she kept. She had kids that, you know, she left for my grandfather. Then she had more kids. And it's like so much separation and descent and all of this stuff in my family. And so many people, you know, like struggling with the things that haunt them from the past and my mother included. And that affects, you know, their walk of life. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mom was once on drugs. I'm sure, you know, that impact smoking crack for however long, you know, has an impact. Um, all of the, you know, like relationships and, you know, things that made my mom, my mom, who she is. Like I had to take all those things into consideration and I have, I had to realize that it's not me. It's not me. Um, but it wasn't until I was older and was able to put those things into context to understand like, yo, post traumatic slavery disorder is real. And all of those effects that trickle down, you know what I mean? Like to my great, great grandparents, grandparents, all of this, like these things are affecting me daily. And a large part of that is what contributes to my mother and, you know, how she's an emotionally abuser. It's not her fault. It's just the hand that she was dealt in. She loved me the best way she knew how. And once I was older and able to put all those things in context, I realized that my mama loved me so much that she fought her addiction. And most people can't do that. Most people whose parents were, you know, like addicted, neglected them. I still had cable. I still had I still ate. I still had everything that I wanted and more. Um, 
my mama was smoking crack and paying the bills in that motherfucker so I can have whatever it was that I needed in order to succeed. But she was emotionally abusive. Why? Because she didn't know better. She did the best that she fucking could. And sometimes when you're able to understand all of those things, it's easier for you to process it. It's easier for me to process those things. It's easier for me to shut those things down now, for me not to allow. It's easier for me to realize how I can cope through these problems. Like when everything around you starts falling, falling, how do you cope? Your circle is what's most important. Like I I said in the beginning, I was down bad today, y'all. Like for real. Like I smile, I drink through it. I smoke these herbal, um, organic herbs in this little tin or whatever, um, that like helps me calm and relax myself. Um, and I talk, I talk to my friends, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes that shit don't work. Sometimes you need to figure out, sometimes you need to go see somebody. You need to call somebody. You need to reach out and tell somebody like, yo, I need help. I need a hug. I need a friend. I need somebody to talk to. I need to be surrounded. I need to go to the bar. I need to go bowling. I need to go. I need somebody to go to the gym with me. I need somebody. You, cause you need somebody in this life. And it's like for me, you know, like finances is funny. Um, and it's not like I don't have. It's just like so much, like so much shit that I'm responsible for, and I'm like struggling with, like. Investing myself, that's a struggle. Like, putting together this trip for Africa, nothing is going to separate me from that. So, budgeting, um, overcoming, you know, bullshit budgets that I've been maintaining for fucking ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, some friendships, you know, falling apart. Like, um, my dating, like, just burned and crashed. Like, (laughs) like... I mean, my dating life just, like, my romantic life just burned and crashed, like, and burst into flames and then burst into flames again, like, recently. Um, School, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get back in school, y'all, and do this library thing and finish this degree and, like, so much shit is coming at me, like, issues with my parents, like, both of my parents, like... Everything right now is coming at me. And like at the end of the day, like there's nobody there to hug me and hold me. Um, I don't have anybody I can call on. You know what I'm saying? Like that I could just lay on and hug on and, you know, like shit like that. Like I have my friends and I am thankful. I have my sisters. I am thankful because I just wouldn't have made it through the day without my sisters for real like I've been hurting really bad lately um and a lot of that is (laughs) um but but today was hard a lot of things were coming at me like work the school shit this my, my heart is just hurting lately and um Today was tough, yo, but I was determined that I was going to push through it and give it my best and give it my all. And, like, I made better um, 
whew, I said I wasn't going to cry. Um, I just made better decisions, like eating today. Um, and when everything crashed on me and I felt like I wasn't going to make it through the rest of the day, um, I, I came home from work and I made me some tea to like relax myself. I knocked out the assignments that I needed to do. Um, and then I just lay still. I made a cocoon and I and I laid there and I relaxed and I took a short nap and just kind of gathered myself, you know? And I talked my way through it, you know, to some friends and of course my sisters. And I pushed through and I finished everything that I that I needed to finish that today. And I've been to to the bottom to the like we're really down. And I'm not going back there anymore. Cause I have a lot of coping mechanisms. I have a lot of support. Um you just can't give up on yourself. You have to believe in yourself. You have to pray. Whether you believe in God or not, you still have to pray at least to yourself. You know what I mean? Like, you have to believe in something higher than you. Or you have to believe you're high enough to to, to overcome. Because you can. And... You know, it's a lot of people just struggling. <laughs> it's a lot of people just struggling. Like, hard to make it through. All types of shit. Every day. You're not alone. <clears throat> Call somebody. Call someone, text someone. If you see people putting up posts that seem like they're reaching out for help, reach out to them. That shit that they be singing, hey, hey. Oh, and I used, and I used to go with my mama as a child. Reach out and touch somebody's hand and make this world a better place. That's some real shit. That's some real shit. And it's like, throughout mental May, I've had so many people, like, personally, who probably haven't heard any of these podcasts, like, service and talk about the shit that they've been, that they've been going through. And that they battling suicide or whatever. Man, reach out to people. Love people. Hug people. Hold people. Show people. That they can fight this shit, yo. It's hard out here being black. It's hard out here being a woman. It's hard out here being a man. It's hard out here when sometimes you feel like you're on your own. But if you listening to this, if you follow me on Instagram, my Facebook page, or whatever it is, 
Yo, you can always hit me up. For real. Um, 202-888-4YAC. Um, 202-888-4925. Any time of the day, you can always reach out to me. You can hit my DMs. I talk to people all the time. Um, because we all need somebody to talk to. And sometimes you don't feel safe or you don't feel comfortable or you feel embarrassed or whatever the case may be. Um, and you don't want to go to your friends or whomever, but you got to go to somebody. Um, I wouldn't recommend the suicide hotline. I would just rather you call 202-888-4YAC instead or your friend or somebody, um, but you but you're not alone and you could push through it like you you can you could do it um i hope somebody was inspired by me sharing my story um i hope somebody is staying out of psycho because of something that i said i hope somebody reaches out to somebody because of something that i said i hope Somebody reaches back to somebody because of something I said. Um, I hope we have more conversations about mental health and how real it is and how necessary it is that we handle that shit in our community. Um, There's still two more episodes left in this month, and I'm going to try to bring some more people on to really share some knowledge share more mechanism that'll help you cope, especially when it, when it, as it relates to nutrition, um, and health, um, because, you know, fruits, vegetables, all of that shit, vitamin D sunshine is, um, is, is necessary. And like, um, I know in DC, we went like 17, 18 days of like, rain and it wasn't no sunshine for real um and i and i think (laughs) no physical touch and sunshine and hugs and shit for me has um really put me in a place um but i'm working on it y'all i'm i'm straight i have a i have a good circle i have good coping mechanisms um ever since i got out of psycho (laughs) i ain't been trying to um kill myself I'm straight on that fam I ain't never going back I want to live and why I want to live is because I feel like I have a lot to offer the world um more specifically people of African descent these gifts these talents all the things that I've acquired at the university and just maneuvering through life these are things I owe it to the ancestors to to reach back and give back and I'm going to live so that I can do that. Um, almost three months since I've been vegan. Um, I feel the changes. I see the differences. Um, I just announced today that starting June 1st, I'm actually going to go raw maybe one or two days every week from now on. Um, whew, I feel a little bit better. Um, I appreciate you listening. Um it's almost been six months since y'all been rocking with me on Straight Yak. www.straightyak.com. You can find me on Instagram, Black Loud Proud. 
um, blackloudproud.com will take you to the fucking same website. Um, I got a new movement. You grow girl, you grow boy. Um, the shirts on the website, www.strayyak.com slash shop. Um, get it how you live, little daddy. Um, until next week, I'm out. Peace.